Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Well, good Monday afternoon. Welcome to another week of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Mississippi. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us uh, to kick off your work week. We're going to be talking to former Southern Miss basketball player Fred Williams here in a little bit. They man that started 106 games in the Metro Conference uh, and non-conference basketball from 91 to 95. That should be interesting. Also, uh, Kelly will be joining us uh, last half of the show, a devastating day yesterday for the many, many, many New Orleans Saints fans that exist around the state of Mississippi. And I've always thought, Luke Johnson, that the Saints are Mississippi's NFL football team, so I know there were a lot of heavy hearts last night. Lauren, Lauren sent me a text. I was over to Buddy's house watching the game, and it was just a a meme, and it just says, "I think I'm going to cry." And it wasn't just uh, that the Saints lost. You know, is we'll talk about it more third, but it seems as if it's Drew Brees. That's that's a wrap on his career, and you know, just trying to to move on, thinking about what it's going to be like to cheer for the Hoodats without Drew Brees. We'll get in that yeah. third segment, but yeah, it was it was tough to just sick to my stomach. I guess that's the best way to describe it. So Tom Brady back in the NFC Championship game, hard to believe. He put both of our teams out, Luke, by the way. A uh, little side note there. But uh, Brady and the Bucks will take on Green Bay and uh, in the NFC Championship game. And we'll get more into the NFL uh, later in the show. But first, a good weekend, I think, for, for basketball at Southern Miss as the men sweep Middle Tennessee 84-54. May have been the best game of the year for them. And then win the uh, Saturday game 64-59. The ladies bounced back from a 30-point loss. They were beaten by 30 points Friday night, but bounced back to beat Middle Tennessee uh, in Tennessee, 69-61. to Let's start there. That had, to be, that had to be a great game there for the Lady Eagles. You lose by 30, and then the next day you come back and, and beat that same team by eight points. A really good day for Joy Lee McNellis and her ladies. Yeah, they dropped the, uh, the Friday contest, 78-58. Uh, really, we're, we're never in the game um, and got outscored in the fourth quarter just to kind of stretch that one out. But, you know, they come back Saturday. And, again, I, you know, I, I said it, I think, Thursday or Friday of last week. How would they respond to, uh, to you know, the Joy Lee McNellis news and, and going through the first full week knowing of, of her diagnosis of, of cancer? And they did. They fought back and they responded in Joy Lee fashion. I mean, they uh, you, you look at the, the breakdown. They were um, losing at the half. They were down at the half. And then, man, 27 points they scored 
in the fourth quarter, uh, led by Jaleese Smallwood with 16 points, had three players, four players in, in double digits. And so, uh, th- th- this is also telling you something. Three different players with nine rebounds. Uh, for the Lady Eagles, and, and they come home able to split that series with Middle Tennessee, who, by the way, that loss to Southern Miss was Middle Tennessee's first conference loss of the season on the women's side. So kudos to the Lady Eagles fighting their tails off Saturday and, and getting their first conference win of the season. Yeah, no question. Congratulations uh, to them. Great weekend for the men. We talked last week about how how great it would be if they could sweep Middle Tennessee. I don't really think any of us thought that was going to happen, to be honest with you, but they do. 84-54 and then 64-59. Clearly, Luke, the best weekend so far this year for the men's basketball team. It was, and it was a tale of really two games. When you start looking at what happened on Friday, uh, Golden Eagles really finished both halves extremely well. Uh, the game was fairly close in the uh, in the first half, and then the Golden Eagles went on a twelve to two run in the final four minutes, and and basically led by sixteen at the half, thirty eight twenty two, and then halfway through the second half they went on a twenty nine to ten run, and that's how you got really that stretch of of you know the lead and that led to the final score. You look at some of the highlights from. Uh, from Friday, I mean, the Eagles shot 50% from the floor. They shot 47, 48% um, from three-point land, and, and that basically was drawn Pierre. I mean, didn't have a good series against UAB. Didn't play the best. Really didn't play much in the in the Saturday game down the stretch. But what does he do? He comes back. He goes nine and eleven from the floor, six of eight from three point land. He had a double double. Uh, he had twenty four points, ten rebounds. It was a great night for him. Tyler Stevenson also uh, got seven uh, rebounds, twelve points also. And so Eagles played a lot of people, and it seemed as if they just you know shot the ball really well. Denijah Harris off the bench, six of seven. Kanatsik. Five of ten. Stevenson was six of ten. And so, you know, they were able, it's what we've said about this team. I mean, just some nights, uh, they're, they're able just to really shoot the ball extremely well. It was interesting. Pinckney was in the starting lineup, uh, for Southern Miss on Friday. And, uh, so that was what contributed to the blowout. Saturday was a completely different game. Safe to say that, that still though, they're, they're, the coaches are not settled on a, on a definite starting five. Am I, is that, is that fair to say? One of the things that Jay Ladner said last week is that coming in to this recruiting season, they want to get a true point guard. And many of us thought Tay Hardy would be that true point guard. He He's able to play the one, obviously, but he's really good at the two also. And so you've seen Pierre play the point some. You've seen um, Jay Malone play the point some. And so because of that, there, there's a little more options. So you know Stevenson's going to be in the starting lineup. It's pretty apparent that the 18-year-old Pierre's going to be there. Hardy's going to be there. And you feel like Pinckney is going to stay there. It's the, the fifth guy, and the kind of the shoe-in for that has been Ladavius Drain. And, you know, he struggled some. And so you may see some nights that Denajay Harris gets in there. You may see him start, you know, with, with another guard there. But it seems as if, uh, he, you know, he's found four of the five that he wants to stick out there consistently to start the game every night. Ty Hardy, is, is he everything we thought he would be this, this early in the year? You know, it was, a lot of hubbub when when he signed here. Do you think he's uh, he's proving to be the player at this point that we thought he would be? I think it's taken him a little longer to get in rhythm, and it's simply because it's what we've said this entire year with the offensive side. It's just it's hard to develop chemistry with guys that you've never played with before. 
Uh, we were excited that Pinckney and Johnson, you know, their history of playing together, but, you know, Johnson had uh, some of the the issues with practice, and it appears like he's back on board now. But, you know, Tay Hardy, it, it's not it, – it's basically being tossed in to – the fire immediately. I mean, you get a couple ex, you know, a couple uh, non-conference games, and boom, you're in you're in conference play. So I think you will see him continue to cement, you know, and, and live up to to some of the things that were said about him, but in a different way and in, in, in a little different role. And what's offset that has been the extraordinary play of of the true freshman Pierre. And I think that's taken a little pressure off where Tay doesn't think he has to have the whole game on his on his shoulders the the entire time. All right, so a good weekend uh, for the men. Obviously, anytime you sweep in this new strange format, uh, that's pretty unusual and and very good. Uh, we'll have one of the basketball coaches, not sure which one, uh, will be on the show with us Thursday. Also, the couple minutes left in the first segment, I want to talk to our listeners uh, for a minute, Luke, about about what's coming up. Uh, we're going to have Desmond Lindsay on the show tomorrow. He's a wide receivers coach uh, with the football team, of course. And uh, thanks to Jack Duggan. And uh, thanks to the new head coach and uh, his his willingness to uh, to make his program available to fans all through the uh, state and the country, uh, we're going to have a couple of football coaches on every week leading up to spring football, which is, believe it or not, only about six weeks away. So we kick that off with Desmond Lindsay tomorrow. Luke, it's kind of hard to put into words how excited we are about the openness of the new football staff and, and their willingness to uh, – come uh, share their thoughts with the Eagle Hour listeners every week. One of the things that Will Hall you know, said when he was introduced as uh, the, the new football coach, he, he felt like he, he had a recipe of what it, it meant to win here, what it took to win here. And I think a key ingredient to that that formula and that recipe is more interaction with the fan base. I mean, more transparency with the fan base and giving the the fan base, you know, a, a reason, something to look forward to, you know, for the coming weekend. So when you look at a guy like Desmond Lindsay, I'm really excited. He's going to be on tomorrow. Taylorsville guy, Jones College guy, um, was was on Southern Miss Staffinger Jay Hobson uh, a, a few years back. But Desmond Lindsay is one of these guys that Will Hall talked about. This this signing class, you know, some of these key guys that we signed, it was Desmond Lindsay that was hot and heavy on them. I mean, the the McGee guys, um, you know, the Mays kid um, from from Ridgeland, and some of these other guys. So it'll be it'll be fun tomorrow to talk to Desmond and his his new position wide receiver coach but he's the pass game coordinator and this is going in it's going to be a little different for southern miss fans first time we've we've kind of had this fedora you know was was a play caller but we've never had a a non-offensive court or a staff without a quote offensive coordinator the head coach will be the offensive coordinator cody kennedy will be run game coordinator Lindsay will be the pass game coordinator so it'll be fun to talk to desmond about recruiting but also about how southern miss kind of turns maybe modernizes the approach a little bit, and it'll be a unique conversation tomorrow for sure. Looking forward to it. want to thank Dickie's Barbecue Pit for sponsoring the opening segment of today's show. A great place to enjoy food for your entire family. Dickie's is open seven days a week here in Hattiesburg. You can eat in the restaurant. You can go through the drive-thru. You can even have Dickie's delivered right to your front door, however you choose to enjoy it. Just be sure you enjoy Dickie's Barbecue. Fred Williams, basketball player, Metro Conference Days, next on the Eagle Hour.
You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us wherever you are this afternoon across the state or on the Internet, uh, however you tune in every day. We're appreciative of the fact that you do. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Kathleen and her great staff there at Campus Bookmart on Hardy Street open six days a week and provide customer service, as we learned a couple of weeks ago. You can actually call the store. Uh, they'll help you with your selection, and they will mail it to you. Uh, you can do it online at CampusBookmart.net, or, of course, you can shop uh, in person Monday through Saturday on Hardy Street right across from the Southern Miss campus. Fred Williams is a former basketball player, played in 106 Southern Miss basketball games from 1991 to 1995 in the Great Metro Basketball Conference. He is now a basketball coach at St. Martin High School in Ocean Springs. And, Fred, we are happy to have you on the Eagle Hour. Well, thank you for having me. We were talking basketball in the first segment. A good uh, good weekend for the Golden Eagles as they uh, swept Middle Tennessee, I, you never had that experience, I don't guess, of uh, that COVID has brought on of playing the same team back to back. Your thoughts about that would would that have been difficult in the Metro Conference days? Well, well, yes, well, yes and no. You know, when you played there, especially playing for the legendary Coach Turk and, and Coach McKinnis and Coach Moore, they always had us prepared. But um, you know, just being able to make those adjustments in between games, uh, you know, that's a a difficult thing to have to do that without, you know, some time in between. So um, I'm sure just like Jay Ladner, he, he's a great coach and, you know, been on the on the coast coaching and college coach. And I'm sure he was able to make those adjustments quickly. But it is a difficult thing to, to do playing back to back. For our younger listeners around the state that may not know, uh, Fred, try to put in perspective just how intense and how great the basketball rivalry between Louisville and Southern Miss was back in the day. Oh, well, it was. it's one of the – when you talk about the greatest experiences I've had, you know, if you, if you would ask me that, uh, I, would, I would have to say the first time I was in Freedom Hall and to see that sea of red and the intensity that Coach Turk coach with that week it was just a great a great experience and then coming home having them you know at the rock and you know we, we, in uh reed green and and uh the battles that we had it was just a, a great experience that the level of talent between the two schools was just tremendous denny crumb versus mk turk these guys were great friends i actually did a news story one time when uh Louisville was in town, and the afternoon of the basketball game, they actually went fishing together uh, out at Paul B. Johnson State Park. They were great friends, but boy, they were they were uh, competitive on the floor, were they not? Oh yes, sir. And that's that's you know, I, of course, you know that as a player, you know they had a relationship, both of them coaching so long. But uh, that's news to me. It, it, it's kind of surprising that they would be great friends because it, it was just such a competitive atmosphere in practice and a, and a competitive atmosphere in the game so uh that that is kind of news to me yeah it was electric there is a there's no question about that uh i think overall metro conference basketball was just a really high level and really a lot of great programs so you played it at, at really about the highest level of college basketball of that day you could have played in for it yes sir it, it was and, and it was a great learning curve coming from a small school in Biloxi, uh, but it just goes to show the great player development that was going on with, with Coach Turk and Coach McKinnis and Coach Moore. But uh, I remember being recruited, coming to games, and 
just looking at you know playing uh came one once with uh virginia virginia tech and then uh, another time against memphis and just kind of question am i really ready to play in such a great basketball conference but uh it definitely was a lot of talent during those years no question luke get in here with uh, fred williams Fred, thanks so much for coming on today. Uh, your first year as a true freshman, all Metro Conference, and you know the, the Eagles had had coming off two back to back NCAA berths. You got to play with Clarence Weatherspoon. Coming in, did that intimidate you, or did that help you as as a true freshman? Well, it, it was both. I, my first experience uh, meeting uh, Clarence was uh, we came in for our visit, and it was practice was wrapping up and, and uh, he was he was playing and all of the recruits kind of walked in and man he he turned and, and dunked backwards on half the team and I, I just remember man <laughs> I don't think I'm ready for this but <laughs> but uh, but it was definitely uh, it benefited me as a freshman to have to to play against somebody who was you know just such a great physical specimen and then also he is the most competitive player I've ever played with or, or, you know, against in practice. And it, it definitely benefited me going forward from a freshman. Another guy that you played with, we love talking about, you know, former uh, Golden Eagles, your teammates and all those, uh, the late Glenn Wisby. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, he came right after Spoon, uh, big guy, 6'9", and, and you at 6'7". Man, there were some some tall guys, some big internal presence for the Golden Eagles at that time. Yeah, exactly. And and the the great thing about Glenn, we we came in at the same time and I got a chance to, you know, spend a week with him in the North South All Star game before we actually came on the campus and getting to know him and, and you know, he's a fun loving guy, high energy and again one of the best pure athletes I've ever ever seen with my own eyes. And uh, again, we were you know, he was a little further ahead, you know, coming in. He was able to come in and start as a freshman and, and with such a great team and players that we had on the team, but also in such a competitive conference. So that just tells you how, how talented he was. So, Fred, uh, you, you mentioned a coach that I want to talk just a minute about. We, we talk a lot about Coach Turk. I, I personally think he's the most iconic coach of any sport uh, in Southern Miss history. But you talked about Coach McGinnis. And, you know, I, I remember here, I, I got to cover a lot of those basketball teams back in that day, and uh, what a great guy he was. And he, I, I think he, his his role in the greatness of Southern Miss basketball during that era is probably really underrated. Oh, oh yes. Well, first of all, my relationship with him is, is so special because he is the reason that I signed with Southern Miss from a coaching standpoint. He, he saw me at a camp when I was in – Going into the ninth grade, I was in Hattiesburg and, and at a camp, at basketball camp there, and, and he just gave me the confidence to believe in myself because up until then I didn't really think about <clears throat> playing college basketball. I just wanted to be the best I could be, and, and he told me from that moment, he said, you just keep doing the right thing. I'm going to keep an eye on you, and he did. He recruited me. For, he came to some games, and, and uh, he was such a special guy to me and, and uh, our relationship. And, uh, again, while he was there, he is – definitely underrated and i mean he he's a uh, a great you know a team coach a players coach and he you know kept us in line kept us motivated and uh again spent a lot of time outside of practice with x's and o's with, with younger players who didn't understand but uh, and ran quite a few practices so uh, it, it is understated and uh, he's definitely uh one of the greats 
Now, I know Luke wants to get in a couple more questions, but I've just got one I've got to ask you. You, you mentioned practicing against Clarence Weatherspoon. Did you ever have the privilege of, in practice of having to box Spoon out and keep him away from the goal? And if so, how did that work out, Fred? Well, it didn't until he, he graduated. That's how it worked out. <laughs> I was able to box people out after he graduated. But, uh, again, just one of the most competitive guys. Uh, I just remember when we do work on offensive execution, we, we did this 6 of 10, and you had to score six times out of 10 to stay on offense. And I, I remember we were on offense. The, the the second group was on offense, and I scored. And I was so happy to score because it never happened with him guarding me. And, and I scored, and the look in his eye. And then it was uh, they stopped us. And then it was ten out of ten. <laughs> they got ten out of ten the rest of practice. So that lets you know uh, there was no stopping spoon or or, or or anything. Right, right. Luke, you want to <laughs> ask uh, Mr. Yeah, Williams a couple, couple more, more. Fred? Fred, I can't experience this this the year because of, of COVID stuff, but just put in perspective when, when the greenhouse was rocking, when people were there in those big games, how great an atmosphere and a venue it was for you. Oh, it was it was truly awesome. Again, I'm coming from a 1A high school, and I'd be in a packed gym of 200 people, and I thought that was great. But, but to go in and just feel the energy, the passion of the Golden Eagle fans, you know, you know the, the faithful – uh, at that moment in the 90s was just truly awesome. Student section, the pep band, from everything, it was just an electrifying atmosphere. Tell our listeners before we let you go, what you're up to now, man, where you're at. Well, uh, I've been been home coaching. I uh, coached at Gauthier High School for nine years, coached, head coach of girls, and now I'm at a, a great school, St. Martin. I have the privilege uh being assistant with the boys coach, uh, Charlie Pavis there at St. Martin High School, and it's a great place to be, and it's great uh, just giving, you know, young men, you know, the experience that I had, you know, the benefit of the experience that I had, uh, being someone that, uh, you know, had to sit behind great players and wait their turn and the hard work and that it takes and dedication to achieve the things that you want to achieve. And uh, it's just a blessing now to be in a position uh, to coach and, and make those positive impacts. Fred, great conversation with you. We certainly appreciate uh, you coming on the Eagle Hour and uh, all your contributions to our our basketball program and uh, and the great coach Turk and McGinnis. And uh, we thank you, sir, for your time. Good luck to you. All right, thank you for having me, Fred Williams. Everybody, former great Golden Eagle under MK Turk, nineteen ninety one to nineteen ninety five. All right, when we come back, Kelly Sander will be joining us, and we're going to talk about the New Orleans Saints. And is it, could it be that we've really seen the last of Drew Brees? Saints football for all the Saints fans around Mississippi next. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Third segment brought to you today by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located at 2505 4th Street, just across Highway 49 from the University of Southern Mississippi. Lots going on there every single day, including the 895 lunch. 
get an entree, a couple sides, and a drink. All for eight ninety five. Premier Neighborhood Sports Bar and Grill. Great food, affordable drinks, and a little something for everybody, including the famous nineteen eighty seven Southern Miss basketball poster. Luke Johnson, Bob Getty from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Kelly Sander joining us now on the phone. And Kelly, we talked about uh, we talked about the, the weekend for Southern Miss basketball, and you know it's kind of a tale of two games. Eagles really took off offensively on Saturday. I mean on Friday, on Saturday um, it, was, it was a lot closer game. And, and Bob and I were talking about Tay Hardy. You know, um, where is he at this year with expectations? And, you know, if, if you thought he was lax a little bit going in, he, he puts in 18 points and eight rebounds, or two rebounds on, on Saturday. Tyler Stevenson, 18 points, eight rebounds. Uh, Pierre had another nine rebounds. And so it was a game Saturday where they didn't blow him out like they did Friday, but they fought to the end and, and pulled the game out. Your assessment of the weekend for Jay Ladner's troops. Well, first of all, with with Tay Hardy, he's always been the type of guy that you, he's kind of like that really good officiating crew. He he does such a good you never you never hear about Tay Hardy. All he does is quietly go about his job. You know he does he's not flashy. He's not uh, you know he's not Deion Sanders. He just he just does his job. Does what he's asked to do. Does what he's supposed to do. Does it well. Does does it good enough to win. You know he's consistent, and I think I think that that consistency has always been a virtue, and I think that's his strength. Saturday, I mean Friday night, man, they were just shooting lights out. I mean Pierre had you know 24 points, and just when you think you know they were you know getting cold from the field, then Pinkney would hit some some three pointers, and like I said, you know Stevenson had a good weekend. Seems really coming you know coming into its own. Uh, Johnson got some playing time on on Friday night. You know, one of the things that, that people have been criticizing the Eagles about is, is the number of turnovers, and we've even made a note of it. But really, when you look at their, the team statistics from this year, the Eagles have been averaging about 14 and a half turnovers a game, which is, you know, which is too many. And I think, uh, you know, I think the last game, maybe they only turned it over five times. That certainly helps. They, they've averaged 14 and a half turnovers a game, but they're causing 13 turnovers a game. So really, when you look at it, could their turnover numbers come down? Of course, but they're causing a great number of turnovers. So um, I think, man, I think all in all, when you look at where this team is, where they were expected to be, um, they've gotten some tough teams like you know UAB uh, out of the way. You know, they they swept Middle Tennessee, which a lot of Eagle fans were hoping would happen. You know, but I think now the team's got some momentum. Even though they're playing at UTSA this coming weekend, it's certainly a doable series. Let's see how they do on the road now. Anytime in conference play, you're hoping for a split. But, man, even the best of scenarios, if they could go into San Antonio and sweep that series, and look, the Roadrunners aren't anything special at all. In fact, they're, they're in the bottom of the standings you know, in the West. So if the Eagles could go in there and, and, and sweep that series, man, I don't think anybody could have expected you know, the team to be where they are at this point. And remember, the cupboards are loaded as far as talent coming back. So I, I just, man, I'm very optimistic, very high on this team. I was proud of the crowd on Friday night. Um, I, you know, I was, I was there, got, got a chance to talk to, to Jeremy McLean, and um, he, was, he was there with his, uh, with his, you know, sweet daughter and got to talk to her a little bit. And, um, of course, when Jeremy knew it was me behind the mask, he quickly dismissed his daughter. Understandable. <laughs> yeah, 
Go be, go go with mom. Go with mom. <laughs> Um, it's what older women so, do too. I've noticed when I'm yeah, around yeah, you, Kelly. Is, yeah. yeah, they want me to wear the, my mask over the whole face. But at any rate, um, I just you know the crowd Friday night I thought was really good. You know, uh, so I, I'm very encouraged with this team is yeah. considering you know too what, how much talent's going to be coming back. All right. All right, I want to switch gears. Uh, I, I know uh, lived a long time in North Mississippi. I know how many Saints fans there are up there. Of course, tons of them down here. A really disappointing night. Uh, our our buddy here, Luke Johnson, is a huge Saints fan. Uh, Luke, I, you know, losing the game is one thing. The Saints have just not been able to get over the hump with these home playoff games. They're good all year, and and then they just seem to falter at home in the playoffs three years in a row. But even bigger than that is the Drew Brees story. Uh, have we, in fact, seen the last of a quarterback that what you told me had been there 15 years? Is that correct? Yeah, 2006 or 15 seasons, 14 years. Yeah, have we seen the last of Drew Brees? And 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 if so, what is, what does that what does that do to the Saints organization moving forward? You know, it was just kind of one of those things last night when when uh, the the Bucks got the last first down, and you knew it was over. It just it's just kind of your your your. You got sick to your stomach because it wasn't just the fact that you know three out of the four years we've just blown it in the playoffs. I'm and the the other one is the Rams interference call and you know but three out of the four years you just blow it and, and you have a chance last night to go up two touchdowns you can't secure the ball and you have a, a punt return returning the you know the first half for the penalty and you just sit there sick and then it, then it hits you. This is probably it for Drew Brees, and you saw him going off the field blowing kisses, and then he turned around and he got one last look, and then after the game, it was pretty cool. Brady came back out, and he and Brees were hanging out. Brady threw a, a pass in the end zone to, to one of Brees' sons. You saw Brees and his wife Brittany embrace and for a long time. and It's just, you know, the last starting quarterback the, the Saints had before Drew Brees was Aaron Brooks. And the previous 15 or 16 seasons, the Saints had 15 or 16 quarterbacks that started games in that 15 or 16 seasons. In the last 15 seasons, you had one dude. And it's and it's more than that. And, and what I mean is I lived in New Orleans for two and a half years. I was there right after Katrina uh, involved. You know, I started my master's degree at the seminary, so I wasn't living in the city, but I was in and out of the city. But I lived there starting in 20, 2008. And then we were there in 2009 when they won the Super Bowl. And just understanding as somebody who lived in New Orleans, Drew Brees means more to that city than just being a quarterback. Like, he inspired that city so much to come back from what happened during Katrina. And uh, something that destroyed a city, Drew helped rebuild it. And thinking that he's not going to be that visible you know, source anymore that people see and get behind it, it's just really hard to fathom today. All right, Kelly, uh, you know, age catches up with everyone with – I guess the exception of Tom Brady, he still looks like he's 30. Uh, and it, it does appear that it has caught up uh, with Drew Brees. But, you know, it, it occurred to me last night, the Saints with Taysom Hill, and uh, uh, they've got some quarterback talent on the roster. And uh, I, I would think that uh, that they're in pretty good shape. Yeah, I don't I don't think they're and, – and when Drew was injured, you know, with his rib injury, they, did, they didn't miss a whole lot. Right. You know, and I think, the, I think the prototype quarterback that NFL teams want to go with is, you know, a quarterback that has the ability to run, you know, when they get into to trouble. You know, like the quarterback in Baltimore, you know, Taysom Hill, you know, gives them that opportunity. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do with Jameis Winston, but, you know, the game yesterday, it's, it's you know – 
Alvin Kamara put it best when he just said, "Look, you cannot turn the ball over four times, no, and create any and, and create no turnovers." And Tampa Bay was opportunistic in, in scoring three touchdowns, not field goals, nothing like scoring three touchdowns on those four turnovers. And Brady wasn't, you know, wasn't necessarily great. There were two or three times the Saints should have had interceptions on passes that he threw, but the Buccaneers protected him well, which a guy his age, you know, you're going to have to, and they didn't turn it over. Um, I do not want Tampa Bay, and it has nothing to do with the fact they beat the Saints. I do not want Tampa Bay to go to the Super Bowl. I don't want Brady to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I do not like him in the rain. Amen. I do not like him on a train. I do not like him, you know. <laughs> I do not like him here. In the dome, I do not like watching him from home. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I do not like him. Bitterness here. I take some bitterness here. I don't know. You know, Bob, here's the thing about it. It seems as if, and this is the best way to describe it. Uh, A guy put it this way on on Twitter. He said, the worst part about this four-year stretch, and this is when they won the division and then blew it in the playoffs, is that the Saints knew the 2018, that was their season. And that's the season when they got messed over, you know, the NFC Championship. That was the Super Bowl year. And this guy said, it just feels like the last two years, they've just been reaching for something that they knew they probably couldn't get. 18 was when you win it. Drew walks away. He walks away on a Super Bowl uh, victory, and they didn't get it accomplished, so we're going to try to do it again, and we're going to try to do it again. And Deuce summed it up best on the postgame. He said, we had a great run. We just found out we weren't good enough. Hmm. Uh, and I and I just he just I mentioned it last week. I just think Drew has been playing scared the last three or four weeks. You know, after the rib injury, I mean, just really quick to get rid of the ball because he didn't want to get hit. And I'm not making fun of him. I totally get it. But I'm just saying you can't play that game and be scared. Punctured lung and broken ribs will make you a little yeah. cautious. Eleven cracked sure. ribs for, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So I think for sure, you know. And Jake Glazer reported yesterday that that, that Drew is done. But, um, well, in a way, you hope he is because you want to see him go out, you know, as the Drew Brees everyone remembered. And uh, some players have had the ability to do that. Uh, Peyton Manning comes to mind. Others have not. Peyton's brother comes to mind. Uh, so uh, whether he comes back or not, uh, certainly Drew Brees has his place in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. First round, I'm quite sure. And uh, there'll be another year next year for the Saints. And uh, we'll move on to the championship games this weekend. All right, Kelly will catch us up with all the news, the last segment of the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Fourth segment brought to you by Toyota of Hattiesburg. They're located out on Highway 98 West in West Hattiesburg. Huge selection of brand new cars and trucks, SUVs, everything you want. And when you're thinking about your next vehicle purchase, let Toyota of Hattiesburg help you the entire way. They're also located on line at toyotahattiesburg.com well two golden eagles one for men's basketball one for women's basketball get weekly awards from conference usa malaya grayson on the women's side has been awarded freshman of the week honors by the conference for the second time this season 
Uh, she leads the gold, Lady Golden Eagles in scoring it uh, right at 12 points a game, which is the most among CUSA freshmen. And uh, the ladies uh, will play this coming weekend uh, at home against UTSA. Dron Pierre, as we talked about in the first segment, uh, astonishing, a great performance. Friday, 24 points, 10 rebounds. He's been named the third for the third time this year, the Conference USA Freshman of the Week. For men's, he is leading the Golden Eagles in every offensive category, shooting, rebounding, and also uh, he's averaging 11 and a half uh, points a game and leading Conference USA freshman. So congratulations to uh, Jerome Pierre. Track back in, uh, Bob, happy to know, first indoor meet of the season, the Vulcan Invite, hosted by UAB. Southern Miss has two first-place finishers on the men's side, Corvell Todd, uh, with the high jump. So we've got another stud high jumper. Todd is a a three-time junior college national champion, and he's with the Eagles for his first year. First place in the high jump on the women's side, Savannah McMillan, does what neither any of us could do. She wins first place in the mile. So good to see track and field. <laughs> I don't even like driving uh, Getting uh, starting back <laughs> up, and they'll be in Sanford uh, this coming weekend. Kelly, you got a lot on your plate, a lot of uh, bits and pieces from everywhere. Is that a fat joke? <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm <laughs> no, sorry. No, I'm sorry. Okay. Never thought. Well, we would never do that to you, Kelly. Man, you talk about Malia Grayson, uh, Luke. Man, her game's uh, Saturday against, you know, Middle Tennessee was undefeated going into that game. The Lady Eagles whooped up on them. She scored 24 points. She had 15 rebounds in that game, including five block shots. And she's a freshman. That's pretty good. Um, in college football, Jeremy Pruitt has been fired after three seasons as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee. He was fired today with cause, as announced by the university. Tennessee is being uh, is being investigated by the NCAA for alleged recruiting violations, and because Jeremy Pruitt was fired for cause, he will not get a twelve point eight million dollar buyout. Wow. Jeremy Pruitt fired at Tennessee, and Philip Fulmer, the longtime uh, athletic director and former head coach at Tennessee, he is also announced that he will retire as soon as the university uh, has hired his replacement. So Pruitt is out as head coach, Fulmer to be out as athletic director at Kelly, Tennessee. Who, yeah. who are they going to get? Who are they going after next, you think? Well, guess whose name just popped up. As, uh, his name was... <laughs> yes, I mean, that's, you know, he's the flavor of the week, the flavor of the month. Um, and that's the first name. And again, the firing just, uh, just happened uh, about two hours ago, so... We'll see some of those names will emerge. But one name that we did say uh, would emerge, and we're pleased to report this on the Eagle Hour about two weeks ago, and it has now happened, that Charles Huff, the assistant associate head coach at Alabama and running running backs coach, has been hired as the head coach at Marshall. The Thundering Herd now has their man um, ready to work there for the Thundering Herd. 37 years old, Charles Huff, he and his wife and son will be headed uh, to Marshall, and he's got experience with James Franklin, both at Vanderbilt and at Penn State. He was the man credited with uh, really developing the game of, of Saquon Barkley before he headed to the NFL. So Charles Huff now officially the head football coach at Marshall. And the Southland Conference now, after losing all of those teams last week, where do they go from here? Well, the conference has announced it has hired the research firm of Eastman and Bodine to figure out where it goes from here. Meanwhile, the schools that left for the WAC kind of made a, a co-announcement, if you will, that the, reason they, the reasons they left for the WAC and didn't stay in the Southland is they felt that the remaining schools in the Southland, 
did not have the financial resources or the commitment to make their athletic programs stronger to be national, nationally prominent. That's why those schools left the whack. And, of course, those were you know, Stephen F. Austin and, and the like, including Abilene Christian. Uh, the Southland Conference said it could go forward with just the teams it had, but it does want to expand but keeping it regional, meaning Texas and Louisiana. And there is some word that they want to at least have, uh, that the WAC, that is, would like to have a discussion with Rice about coming back into the WAC. Rice is the only member of Conference USA that was one time in the WAC. Mm. So I'd hate to see that. I'd hate to, I'd hate to lose that baseball rivalry right there, but uh, who knows, right? No, but, but, but them, you know, Strengthening their basketball program and and uh, doing some of the things they're doing in the WAC, it's it's now a conference on the move. You know, I don't know how solid Rice's stance is about staying in Conference USA, and honestly, what advantages there are to staying in Conference USA at this point. But nonetheless, that's the latest, guys. All right, Desmond Lindsay, wide receiver coach uh, for the Golden Eagles, on the show tomorrow. Heath Hinton, Kelly Sander, we've got a full crew coming in tomorrow. Uh, And that'll all happen at 1 o'clock. We hope you'll join us then. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.